Before I get to my next guest, John Mahaffey, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And they're offering 10% off their brand new range of training aids. I visited their booth and loved their breaking ball putting mat, which allows you to practice breaking putts at home on a traditional putting mat. I've got mine right here in my studio. They've just launched their own golf glove, and they're offering Next on the T listeners 10% off the whole range. Use code CHRIS10 for 10% off. That offer expires March 31st of this year. Check out their great array of training aids online at meandmygolf.com. All right, now back in Next on the T with me is 1978 PGA champion and 1986 Players Champion, John Mahaffey. Let me remind you about John's background. He's from Kerrville, Texas, played his college golf at the University of Houston, where he was named first team All-American in 1969 and 70. John won the individual title at the 1970 National Championship, helped the Cougars to win back-to-back national championships in 69 and 70, earned his degree in psychology. He was inducted into their Athletics Hall of Fame in 1976, and he turned pro in 1971, won 10 times on the PGA Tour, including that 1978 PGA Championship, coming from seven strokes back with 14 holes to play to win in a playoff. He won once out there on the Champions Tour. He was a member of the 1979 Ryder Cup team. In 1983, he was inducted into the Texas Golf Hall of Fame. He's written a couple of wonderful books, Hogan's Boy, A Journey in Golf, plus a mystery novel titled Shafted, which is going to become a series of mystery books. You can check those out on johnmahaffeyauthor.com or, of course, over on Amazon. And I'm excited that I get to have John back as part of the show again tonight. Hey, John, how are you, my friend? Chris, I am doing great. So nice of you to have me back. So, John, obviously we're here in in Players' Championship Weeks. Got to bring back some great memories for you from your win in 1986, which didn't come easy, by the way, because nothing does as TBC Sawgrass. Is this a little extra special week for you? It always is. Uh, I, I can remember back. Uh, it, it was always a good golf course for me because I, I hit a lot of fairways and I, I was always a good iron player. But uh, that's that specific year. I was playing very well. And uh, I remember making the cut and uh, shooting 65 on Saturday which actually put me in position. I think I was still four back of Larry Mize at the time, but it gave me an outside chance to win the golf tournament. And, uh, you know, it, uh, unfortunately, uh, for, for Larry on the, on the final round, he kind of fell apart. I wouldn't say he fell apart. He had some unlucky breaks on the back nine and, uh, I was able to catch him, but I will tell you one thing, Chris, it, uh, I noticed in, in one of your teases, uh, for next on the tee that you had a picture of me on the 18th hole, the final yes. hole, 72nd hole. That picture I'm looking at right now on my desk, that tee shot 
was the best tee shot in my entire career that I ever hit under pressure. Is that right? When it, absolutely. I had a friend of mine. We were sitting in the locker room before the final round, and he said, okay, answer this. What are you going to do if you get to the final hole and you've got a chance to win a golf tournament and you have the honor? The smartest shot, I, I said, my go-to shot's a fake, but that doesn't fit that hole. I'm not going to start it over the, over the water and try to cut it back. That's not going to happen. I said, I, 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 it's a draw. It, the draw is the shot to hit. He said, why don't you make yourself a promise to do that? So when I reached the 18th hole, I did have the honor, and I looked over at my caddy and I thought to myself do you have the courage to do this and I stepped over on the left side of the tee and made up my mind to do it and it's the it's a tee shot that I hit that I it just like I drew it up in my mind that hit the down slope and took off it was against the wind and I mean it could have been in a better per, in uh, a more perfect position for a second shot and wow. it led it I think it led to my win because Larry missed the, the the fairway right and ended up making bogey and I had a two-putt par so you know it uh but to, to have that happen and, and to think back so many years ago when, when I when I was talking with Mr. Hogan in his office and uh, he had a, a a list of the tournaments that for the for the upcoming year, you know, and, and he said, uh, he said, you know, which tournaments are your favorite tournaments? And I said, well, and I checked off about 25 of the 40 or whatever. And he threw it and he tore it up. And he says every golf tournament ought to be every tournament golf course ought to be your favorite. He said, well, you and I go and practice all the time, all right? And I see you hitting all these golf shots. Then I watch you on TV, and you're so one-dimensional. Why don't you play the shots you know how to play? Finally, on that last hole <laughs> at Sawgrass, I did that. You know, So that's kind of a memory that I share with Mr. Hogan, I guess, in a way. Well, John, let's, let's take that a half a step further because – as a as a guy that has never been in that arena, but stepping up on that 18th tee and the, all that water down the left hand side, and then you know kind of bends back you know to the left. I mean, there's a lot of negative thoughts can come into your mind about that water. How do you block that out? And then for you to hit a hook, you know that could very easily, <laughs> if you miss it by a little. Oh yeah, well it's easy to pull hook it, isn't it? If you yes. hit a hook. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think the fact that I. I had it in my mind when I when I walked on the golf course in the morning. I mean that afternoon, sorry. Yep. And uh, when I got to the tee, I was focused on hitting that tee shot. So I think everything else was sort of out of my mind. I picked a target that I wanted to start the ball on, and it went right over that with a draw. And uh, like I said, it was hot. It hit and it took off. And you know that was it's just such a great feeling to pull off a shot under pressure that you pictured. Yeah, no doubt. And as you mentioned, Larry Mize led the tournament by four going into the final round. In fact, he was still three up with four holes to go. But I read that you went over to him after you won and you said you were sorry. And I get that, you know, he 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 struggled over the last few holes and all of that sort of thing. But you still had to put yourself in position to win. You still had to play well. And you never gave up on the thought that you could still win even when you were down three with four holes to go. Talk about sort of that range of emotions over the last few holes from being down and out of it, essentially in, in all for all intents and purposes to standing over about a three footer to win it. Well, that's golf, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you think about it, you're really never done till it's all over. I mean, the, <laughs> who knows what a guy's going to make on the last hole, you know, you may birdie the last hole and be well, for instance, in the PGA being seven back with uh, 14 right. holes to play, you know, and, and all of a sudden everything turned in my favor and against Tom Watson, those things happen. 
I don't know if it's the golf gods or what it is, but uh, they blessed me a lot a few times. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, that was certainly one of them there. Uh, but I, you know, when I, when I went over and told Larry that I was sorry, I, I had a similar situation reversed roles uh, in the 1975 U S open when Lou Graham beat me on Monday. And I remember sitting at the presentation and uh, Patsy Graham, his wife was behind me and she tapped me on the shoulder and she leaned over and she says, I just want to tell you one thing. She said, John, you're a young man with a lot of talent. This was Louie's last chance. You're going to have plenty of chances, plenty of opportunity just hang in there. I thought that was so gracious. Yeah. I've heard her say that and it stuck with me. And, you know, golf is a game you fight till the very end. But then, you know, and then you, you, you congratulate the, the players that you played with, you know, on a good fight. And you love that. Uh, that's part of the deal, the competition. I know that uh, Jim Gallagher was talking about competition. That's the one thing I miss. I don't play golf anymore at all because of hip issues and so forth. And I'm writing like crazy, but uh, books like crazy and not always about golf. But anyway, you know, it, it's just a I, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the competition coming down the last holes, last nine holes with a chance to win. And. I'm I'm wondering, did, did you return the favor to Larry? Because, you know, Larry would obviously go on the next year to win the Masters. But I, I, I read that he had said that, you know, after losing to you at, at the players, that he just didn't know how to didn't know how to finish. He got to, he had to learn how to finish. And obviously he finished really well at the, at the 87 Masters. Did you talk to him about that? I don't. But that, yeah, I'm glad you brought something about not knowing how to finish. Uh, I don't bring this up very often because it, it was kind of hurtful at the time, but I think it meant something to me later. In 1976, in the U.S. Open at Atlanta Athletic Club, I lost to Jerry Pate on the last three holes. Uh, and in the press conference, and uh, he was obviously in there first being the, the, the champion. And uh, I came in afterwards and, you know, I heard him say something. One of the uh, the reporter said, you know, do you feel sorry for John Mahaffey? Because, uh, you know, he's been so close uh, to winning U.S. Opens back to back. He said, no, he's got to learn how to finish it off. Well, ironically, <laughs> Jerry was one of the guys I beat in the playoff for the PGA, which, <laughs> I, you know, that's the irony of the game, isn't it? Though? I mean, Tom Watson was one of my best friends. and I got a little revenge on Jerry Pate. Wonderful week all the way around in a tournament that changed my life. But, you know, that's it. That's just the nature of the beast. That's golf. Yeah. You know? How did winning that 78 PGA change your life? Well, I look at it this way. Uh, my entire life had been a battle in a way, and I'm not going to get in too deeply into it, but I, uh, I always had to struggle being strong to play sports and stuff like that. And I always was good at sports. I lettered in every, in every sport I played. Uh, I had basketball scholarship offers before and, uh, and, and won to University of Houston to play golf. And there was no doubt where I was going at five foot nine. <laughs> I was going to play golf at the best golf school in the country at that time. Um, but, you know, it, it's you, you get a mindset that that, that you that you're never going to give up and you're going to even though you're struggling, you're going to hang in and, and, and do what it takes to get there. John, I want to switch gears a little bit. I, I want to get your thoughts on everything going on in the PGA Tour. Obviously, this this live thing has really turned things upside down over the last 12 months or so. What, what, what's your thought about where we're at right now in the game of golf? Uh, it's, it's confusing at best. I'll say that. Uh, I, I never imagined it would get to this point, but to me, I, I got, I've been thinking about it for quite a while and I'm not really trying to take sides on this, but just look at it, you know, uh, realistically, uh, 
you know, it's a choice, not a mandate for these players to go to live, right? Yep. Choices have consequences, correct? Yes. What comes to mind to me is, okay, who's your huckleberry? You know, who has your back when you do this? You know, you're making a career commitment into this. And there's a lot, there's some people that have gone over there that will never be forgotten in the game because they've got a tremendous record. You know, they're Hall of Fame players and stuff like that. I understand that. But what I wonder about is the the young guys that go over there. And, uh, you know, they don't have a chance to establish themselves on the PGA Tour, Tour, still the best in the world. People still want to come over here and dominate. Still, I mean, Look at and Jim touched on this too. How many one, how many great players uh, are standing up for this tour uh, because of what it is and how deep this goes? Uh, right. You know, it's it's amazing. But I, I'd like to touch on a couple of things that kind of uh, you know I read all about this stuff. I'm never going to get away from loving golf and, and reading about it. But you know, a couple of people have talked about this these not being original ideas that the tours come up with, and I agree that some of them are a little bit are, are a little bit might look like they're copying somebody, but I was on the policy board back to back in 1981 to 1986. All right. And during that period of time, Dean Beeman was commissioner. Dale DeMitt was chairman of the board and um, TPC Sawgrass opened in 1980. So in 1981, we approved the TPC network. All right. What that did was it guaranteed income, for, for reserves, funds, purses, and retirement for the players, all right, and plus building golf courses for the for the for the uh, the general public and in members, uh, it eliminated renting golf courses. Those savings went to reserves and to purses, and then we 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 approved the uh, the player deferred compensation retirement program, probably the most innovative one, and still is in the game in in sports history. I mean, one of the guys, the independent directors, Bob Kirby, that I sat next to to try to learn a little bit about business, said, this is incredible to have this. I mean, to, uh, this is just the best thing you could have ever done. So, you know, uh, and still, and back then we had invitationals, uh, limited fields. All right. You have a tournament of champions. It was a limited field. At one point, we only paid 70 players regardless of the cut size. And the top 60 were exempt from the tour. So there's not a whole lot of difference in a lot of this stuff. And from what I'm reading, some of the, the top players are saying, and just like Jim Colbert told us back in the day, just play better. <laughs> Indeed. John, you were around when when Greg Norman was was first pitching the World Golf Tour, weren't you? Yes. Yes. What what, what was it like back then? Because because from what I've been reading about it, players talked all about it. There were several meetings about it. And the. And essentially, Mr. Palmer got everyone together and said, all right, we're done with this. This is over. That's exactly right. And you know what? And, and during the time, and you know, I'm blessed, too. Jim talks about when he played. I got to play with all these guys. I mean, all the way from Hogan, Sneed, and Nelson, all the way up to, yeah, to, up to Tiger and Phil. I didn't play very much with either, or I didn't play with either one of those. But, you know, I knew all these guys. Nicholas and, and uh, Player and Palmer could have gone and started their own tour and, and picked and had handpicked who they wanted to take with them, you know, and done that. But they didn't because they realized what the PGA Tour had done. They, they it had built a name for them. Granted, IMG, you know, with Mark McCormick right. uh, really helped Arnold Palmer. But Arnold Palmer created his own image with with his charge and, you know, and, and his personality and his charisma uh, and never forgetting a friend. I mean, Arnold Palmer was unique. Uh, 
an unreal man that I, 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 I love to be able to have called a friend, you know. John, I want to go back to another one of your victories, uh, 1979 at the Bob Hope Desert Classic. That year, the tournament was played at Tamaris Country Club, which was a private club that had 65 original investors that included Jack Benny, George Burns, Danny Kaye, and the Marx Brothers. Ben Hogan was, was the club's first pro. Sinatra lived there on the fairway on 17. Sammy Davis right around the corner from him. What was it like not only winning that tournament, but doing it at that site? Uh, well, it was terrific going out there every year. For some reason, Dolores Hope loved me. You know, not physically, but I mean, she she <laughs> uh, she was a terrific lady, and she she just she thought I was cute. I guess back in that day, and uh, I won the tournament in '79. I won it again in 1984. All the parties that that the Hope uh, put on for the celebrities and everything. Fortunately, luckily, I was invited to go to. So. Um, I got to meet all these stars in, in a different light, you know, and uh, got to be friends with quite a few of them and uh, played golf with a whole lot of them. And it was just such a neat experience to 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 get down. At, I mean, these people were human beings. Too. I mean, not like you see them on the big screen or in television, but, you know, have, and, you know, you're wanting to ask them how it was to play in The Great Escape or whatever, you know, whatever movie they were in. And they're interested in, well, I'm still fading, slicing the ball too much. What do I do here? So they were so much interested in <laughs> golf. We had that in common. And it was so much fun uh, in that day and age to be able to play with all those people and to be around people like Bob Hope and, and, and Sammy Davis Jr. and all these people, Glenn Campbell, all these people, uh, Andy Williams, all these people came to champions. All right. When I was working for Jimmy DeMere and Jackie Burke. So I knew these people before I ever got on the tour. I mean, you don't think I was lucky. Wow. <laughs> John, you also won the J.C. Penny Mixed Team Classic with Joanne Carner back in 1982, where he recently learned that a similar event is going to be back in December with the Grant Thornton Invitational. What do you think about the return of that event, and what was it like being paired with Joanne Carner? She was terrific. I love playing with her. She had more courage. Yeah, normally, or my experience had been in, in a lot of times when playing in that, in that event, my partner, if, if we hit it at a bunker, always wanted me to play it. If you know, if I, if that was the opportunity. Well, I remember the last, last round, first hole, uh, she drove it right in the trees and I kind of, I had the only shot I had was to hook it into the bunker and I drove it in a fairway and she hit a not so good a shot that bounced in the bunker. So I got out my sand wedge and I'm walking up to the green, into the green. She says, what do you think you're doing? I said, well, I'm going to play this shot. No, you're not. She says, I'm damn good at this. Watch this. Well, hits it out there about six inches. We tap it in. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's she, she just, she played golf so aggressively with, and with so much confidence. It, it, it just kind of it rubbed off on you. And uh, we had to par the last hole to win. And I remember we couldn't reach this par five and two. And uh, I, I laid up short of the bunker. She wanted a 95 yard shot and she hit it fat. And now I had about a 15 yard pitch over this bunker, which wasn't my favorite shot at that time. And I hit it about, Oh, I guess about eight feet. She drilled that right in the middle of the hole. Wow. I mean, I, I, it was, it was so neat playing with that lady. She, and seriously, she's a lady. John, you mentioned you're doing a lot of writing these days. You've already written two great books. Give us an update. What's going on with the shafted series. 
They're going great. Uh, Shafted, you mentioned, and, and Hogan's yeah. Boy, uh, The Journey in Golf, that's that's nonfiction. But I really wanted to start writing fiction because I wanted to get the, 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 the writer involved. I wanted to be able to sort of invent my own uh, plots and things like that. So I write a little bit about what life inside the ropes is for professional golf. But, you know, in the in the real world, in the real world, outside the ropes, it's a whole lot different. And um, the stakes are higher in life is, and it's like life and death. So my characters are uh, the McCall family and they're they're caught in between these two worlds. And uh, so it, it's really kind of neat to, to throw some golf in there. But also these guys are fighting crime, cyber crime and whatever. So Unfinished Business is out. That's my second book. It just came out. Uh, my third book, Dead Quiet, is in editing right now. Exoner Exoneration is in pre-edit. Wow. Restitution is in progress. I'm writing a book. It's still in progress uh, called Outmaneuvered. And there was a, a guy by the name of Maxwell Silver who was a friend of the McCall's. And uh, he had something. Uh, his wife was murdered. And he had to drive. He was a professional golfer on the tour and he went in and got a law degree and um, he uh, he worked in conjunction with the uh, with Nemesis to try to find the people that killed her uh, or to bring justice to the people that killed his wife. So, you know, I'm busy. No <laughs> doubt. My goodness. That's a it's lot fun. of writing. Yeah, it is. Especially with my editors, they don't like a lot of stuff. I, I got to rewrite so much of it, but that's <laughs> that's the way to do it. I mean, if I'd have started out at 25 years old doing this, it'd have been a different deal. But I'm learning all the way. There you go, John. Let our listeners know. Remind them again. How can we stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you online and on social media? Well, the best place to go is johnmahaffeyauthor.com, and uh, that'll get it. That's where my webpage is. You can order books from there, and it, it gives updates and uh, covers the whole deal. There you go. John, it's always a thrill to have you as part of the show. I get excited every time you say yes, that you'll come back on the show. I look forward to it very much. Thank you so much for being generous with your time and coming back and being a part of the show tonight. You know, I love it. I, I mean, you're the best. You know that, right? I appreciate it. I'm serious. I, it's fun to be on here and I'll do it anytime you want. Well, I appreciate that very much, John. Take all care, right. my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, John. That is the great John Mahaffey. 16 professional wins, including a PGA and a Players Championship. And as you just heard, one heck of a great guy. He's so great to talk to, folks. He's an out, outstanding person, an outstanding writer, and was one of the great golfers of the 1970s and the 1980s. Again, make sure on Amazon or on johnmahaffeyauthor.com, go out and get all these books and get excited about the ones that are in the hopper that are going to be along just uh, shortly after that, I'm already looking forward to the next time I'm privileged enough to have John as part of the show. Hopefully, like I say, that's very soon.